Yo, what's up, everyone? My name is Drew Joyner. Some of you may know me as Drew What I Do on YouTube, and I am the host of season two of the Beyond the Garment podcast, a podcast dedicated to enriching the lives of others, where each week I invite a brand new guest on the show within the realm of fashion, culture, and or art to talk about their life and their experiences. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to come listen to this podcast. It means a ton to me. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Episode three of season two. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the podcast up until this point. Today's episode is what I like to call a certified banger of an episode. I can't wait to get into the guest I have featured for today's episode. Today's guest, Matt Ritz, runs and operates his very own brand out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. You might want to Google that one because I had to. I've heard about it before, but it's in Canada. Trust me, it's there. (laughs) And over the last nine years, Matt has built Rude Vogue into a pretty substantial brand within Canada's borders. He's worked with the likes of Party Next Door, A-list athletes such as Odell Beckham Jr., as well as one of the largest rappers and artists in the world, Drake. Today's episode focuses a ton on brand building. You get to learn a little bit about Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is a mouthful of a name. And you get to hear about Matt's story and how he's been able to develop Rude Vogue over the years. Without further ado, let's get into the live intro. I butcher Matt's name. My apologies, Matt, if you're listening. If anyone who knows Matt, my apologies. And uh, let's get into it. It's about time to acknowledge Canada's fashion scene for what it is on the world stage. Impressive, dynamic, teeming with creativity. Today, I have the founder and creator of Saskatoon's own brand, Rude Vogue. Allow me the honor in introducing the man behind the brand, Matt Hurst. Matt, how are you doing today, man? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Did I say your last name right? That's what I was going to ask you before oh, pre- yeah. pre-podcast. That's what I just remembered. <laughs> you almost got it. It's uh, it's Ritz. Like Ritz. The, like Ritz, uh, like the hotel. Matt's, Matt Ritz. Sorry about that, people. People's names are important. I mean, you got to you gotta have proper uh, pronunciations because I would never want someone to mispronounce it. Matt Ritz, apologies to that, man. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Good, 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 good. Um, you know, Matt and I recently connected. Actually, he listened to the episode with Matt Halfhill, and he's listened to the episode with with uh, Karen Anthony. And you know, we were just kind of chopping it up in the DM, and, and he was talking to me about his brand, Rude Vogue. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to have him come on to represent, you know, his city, represent you know his province, and uh, talk a little bit about Canada fashion and talk about what he does. So, but but Matt, before we dive into the fashion stuff. Yeah. You know, talk to me about your background. What is your background? You know, where are you from and how is it like for you growing up as a kid? Yeah, uh, I was born here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, you know, uh, my mom was a, uh, she had a daycare. Uh, she also worked as a TA um, in elementary or at an elementary near me. Um, you know, I was a stepdad. Um, like, again, dad wasn't really around, left at a young age. And, uh, yeah, so my stepdad was around and that's kind of where I got my, you know, he worked as a graphic designer, worked at a apparel place, uh, here in the city where they did screen printing, embroidery and things like that. Um, so that was kind of like my first eye into the whole thing of, you know, that whole process. 
and uh, I got uh, two two sisters, one brother. Um, you know, we grew up, you know, I guess middle class, I guess, you know, we had food you know, on the table and clothes on our backs and that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. It was good. That's awesome to hear, man. I mean, obviously, you know, when you grow up as a kid without your father, that can probably be a little bit um, of a different situation. Obviously, your stepdad seemed to be a, a great guy, you know, just from just yeah. initial impressions. But um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what it's like growing up in, in Saskatoon, man, because uh, there are a lot of people who may be listening to this who know about Saskatoon, don't know a lot about Saskatoon, know a little bit about Saskatoon. Talk to me about it. Yeah, it's uh man, it's it's small here. Uh like it's it's a small city, you know. Like we're I think about three hundred thousand in, yeah. in Saskatoon and you know, the capital city is Regina. Uh and they're not much I think they're actually smaller in Saskatoon. Wow. But um yeah, so like again, it's a small small spot, but you know, it, it there's still a really good um like streetwear and like sneaker sort of culture scene out here too. Um, you know, a lot of people at hoop. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I get that. And I, you know, it's so interesting. I was telling Matt guys before the, the episode, how I had to do a little bit of a, of a geography history lesson on Saskatoon. Cause I had heard the name before, I think in media somewhere, somewhere. And I've heard of Saskatchewan, of course. Um, but you, you just don't hear a lot about uh, Saskatoon. I feel like where I am in the States, which is just Colorado, which is, from a geography standpoint, it's actually like almost right below. <laughs> yeah, uh, like that's another. I think there's directs from here right to Colorado, so you get a lot of Denver, like Denver, uh, yeah. uh, Bronco fans and stuff like that flying out and things like that. It's, you know, a quick trip. Kind of like the same way it is with Minnesota. You know, I think they got directs from here too. But um, and I was going to say the that I think they asked Post Malone in one of his interviews, which is one of the weird the strangest places he's ever been and i believe his answer was saskatoon huh i have to look that up well why why was it why i, I don't know i don't know why i wish i wish he could have elaborated on that <laughs> i think that he just went on to like the next thing but uh, Interesting. i don't know yeah it's it's cool it's very prairie out here like that's one of the things too like that's pretty it's beautiful in terms of like outdoor stuff you got a lot of people that are you know outdoors types a lot of fishing a lot of hunting and things like that um so yeah it's this is definitely not like you know big city you know you new york vibes out here by any means but, totally totally and yeah. i think that's really interesting and and talk to us a little bit you talked about it a little bit with you know your stepdad being graphic designer um mm-hmm. and then obviously you still have a lot of of you know kind of I wouldn't I don't want to call them typical because every region of the world has different typical traditions as they grow up whether it be sports and, and maybe being introduced to streetwear but talk to us a little bit about you know some of your early experiences with fashion sports and maybe a little bit of of hip-hop culture as well yeah um man like the sports has been huge it's been a huge you know part of my life uh, even growing up uh, like I mentioned, my mom was a TA at one of the, the elementary school near the park, uh, near our place. And, um, you know, we had the, I had, you know, the luxury of, of being able to get the, uh, the gym key from the janitor there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would have pickup games there every day, like everyone just knew just to meet there, you know, and we'd, we'd hoop all evening. Uh, even on like we had this thing almost every Christmas Eve, we'd have everyone out there and uh, we just play pickup all night until like 11, go home. And then everyone would be back the next day with, you know, if they got sneakers or whatever for, yeah. for Christmas, you know, we'd be back there. So the nice thing, too, is, you know, I took advantage of that. And, uh, 
you know, that key, like I remember I'd, we'd leave and I'd come home and I just, you know, I just loved the game so much. I'd, I'd go back there, dribble there, be in there late, you know, one to 2 a.m., just running lines, you know, doing stuff like that, putting up shots, you know, oh, putting X on the wall, with, you know, tape, uh, trying to be like Jason Williams and Mike Bibby and all these guys I idolized. So uh, the, the hoop, the, I was obsessed and I, and I still am, you know, it's a huge part of my life. And I, I still reflect that into the clothing, uh, the inspiration, you know, the photos I put up, all that stuff. It's, yeah. that's me, man. Totally. So it starts, it starts with a hoops background. I mean, this is, I get giddy when I get to talk to people like this because, you know, I have a very, very similar background, right. Um, mm-hmm. where for me, you know, basketball has been, was such a centerpiece of my life and obviously even though you know basketball at a when you're young it, there's so much youthful energy towards it right and you try to yeah. still capture that when you play or when you experience the game today um and so I can totally feel that from you you know when so whenever someone describes how they used to go to a playground or go to a court and they used to play for hours on end and, and, w- and wouldn't come home until the lights, you know, basically shut off the street lights or whatever, whatever, whatever analogy they use, like whatever you just said, yep. um, it's really, really special. So you, you've had a, an experience with hoops, with basketball. And, you know, what's really interesting about that is, you know, you have seen a real, a real emergence and kind of digressing a little bit, but a real emergence of, of athletes, especially basketball players, from from Canada, right? Are there are there, you know, I like I can name a few. Like we have Wiggins, we have Nash. You named a few guys too. Like, talk to me a little bit about like what it's like being a, a um a kid who loves basketball in Saskatoon. Is it something that like uh you can kind of differentiate compared to like maybe New York or California or the South U.S. Or I mean, it's, it's totally it has to be totally different, right? It's different because when I grew up, it was. They, there were a couple guys that were coming up that were, but they were, you know, the only way that you could really make it back then in a lot of people's eyes, rather if you were freaky athletic um, and a lot of those guys were coming out of Toronto and things like that, mm-hmm. or you were just a really big, big. And there was a, you know, there was a lot of dudes. I think there was one guy out of Vancouver. can't remember his name, but again, there was no, there was no such thing really then as just like a really good, like, you know, technical herky jerky sort of like guard, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you just mm-hmm. didn't, really have that back or at least coming out of Canada they didn't get the looks I think another thing too was just there weren't a lot of Canadian players going down to the states and going like into div one and things like that it was just really I think it was more difficult unless you a lot of stories I heard where a lot of guys were going out to uh, Ontario and they were playing in those those schools because they were like highly scouted and then boom but like you being a kid from you know Saskatoon and just living here and trying to like get to like div one back then again like we're in, in my it just didn't really happen yeah uh, there were a lot of really talented guys coming up when i played too and um a couple of them like that i went to school with and i played with they went you know did a little work overseas um you know they went out in college um did some things like that so they were all right but yeah i think the opportunities definitely have increased yeah. uh dramatically and your, your chances obviously like you said a couple of those names you rattled off anthony bennett i believe was like the number one overall pick yep. uh, that year when he came up yep um, out of ontario i think um so yeah it's it, the landscape's changed a little bit but um a lot more opportunities for a lot of people now i think for sure for sure and i feel like i could ask you a million and one questions about basketball um because and obviously the opportunity is is even greater because of social media as well i can only imagine how much more difficult it must be to try to make it out of a place where you know you don't have a lot of media coverage 
Um, it's not. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be quite frank. When I think about Canada, I'm gonna I'm thinking about you know I think about Montreal, I think about Toronto, I think about Quebec, I think about Vancouver, right? So, um, and in for scouts, they probably have the same train of thought, right? When it comes to those kind of things, and so a lot of times those players are overlooked, and it's um, unfortunate that it is the way it is. But um, yeah, there's a guy actually. Now that you mentioned that, there was one guy around the time when I was coming up. And I think his name was Andrew Beckering, I think his name was. Mm. And there was he, he was like on a lot of like the Canadian hoops vlogs and things like that. And he had like real choppy, grainy, like YouTube videos of him, like sticking his arm in the rim. Like he was a freak, but yeah. he was from Tabor, Alberta, I believe it was too, mm. which is like, so like off the pad. I don't even know what happened to him, but there was a lot of hype with him at that time though. Like, Yeah. So sorry, yeah, that just kind of sparked a memory of, no, of back then. That's cool. That's cool. All this to say, essentially, that you know, you took basketball, and I think basketball culture really is um, almost. How do I want to say it? It's it's almost like a another layer of kind of streetwear, right? And they're so intertwined. Oftentimes, when you think about streetwear, you think about street fashion. Um, you're also thinking about people who are into this, the game of basketball, right? Most times or into sports, right? And basketball is just one of those sports where they, you just see that kind of crossover. Um, let's, let's kind of start diving into Rude Vogue a little bit, man. Um, what, what actually sparked you in creating a brand? Because I know it's, it's a very tough decision and starting out, I know how difficult it can be. Talk to me about the, 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 the mindset really that you, had to develop to start Rude Vogue, which is the name of your brand. Yeah, like the mindset I had I mean, I, at that time, that would have been, what, about nine years ago, I guess, I think. And I was managing a supplement store here in, in Saskatoon. And, um, you know, while I was there, I can't remember how many years in I was. Um, but again, I was just thinking, you know, I wanted to do something else. You know, I was had kind of a creative background too, you know, in, in throat high school and things like that. I was, you know, into art, things like and. um you know, especially like where you kind of tagging, where you're drawing, doing that kind of stuff, like a lot of letter work. And I was really, really into that. And I actually got pretty good at that. There was a guy I went to school with as well, and he did some really sick stuff. So we were kind of always competing and seeing who could kind of come up with the better stuff. Um, but and then it was weird. I, I ended up having art class. And I remember when I was in art class, everyone that was always getting the highest praise were the people that could draw like a portrait of a face better or something like that. And mm -hmm. I remember me just feeling like, man, this, this is me. Like, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to be that great as an artist. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a guy that draws a portrait. Well, so, and I, I was like, Oh, I can't wait till we start doing stuff with like lettering and stuff like that. And that like never came. So like that always like crushed my dreams of like maybe doing something artistically. Right. Um, but again, like I was saying, when I was back at Papa's and where I had this, you know, I had the supplement store, um, where I had this idea to, um, yeah, just to start a brand and take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, my, my stepdad, uh, he left the old place that he was at and started his own, um, sportswear company. So where he, he does a lot of custom jerseys and sublimation, uh, that whole cut and sew process. Right. And I brought it up to him and I wasn't really sure what his, thoughts would be on me starting a brand because I know he always you know was just saying like you know that industry can be tough um but so I I told him and he was like I think you should do it and I ended up telling him the name and and kind of the idea and he was like yeah he's like you know the shops here like obviously you can kind of play around and do stuff like that so while I was there I kind of just learned from him anything that I didn't already know you know like I mentioned before I've seen the screen printing process I knew how the embroidery work worked uh mm -hmm. you know 
you know, vectoring images and all of that stuff. Uh, but this was a chance for me to really learn and dive in and, and, and really understand how the garments are made. Totally, totally. And I, I think that's really interesting. I can't wait to dive even deeper because um, you so you seem to be pretty artistically inclined, right? Like from a, from a relatively early age, nine years ago. I mean, let's just call it a decade at this point. Roundup. So so ten, so ten years ago, you you made the decision. You know, you you had the the kind of support of your of your stepdad, which probably also helped you mentally to think, okay, I can probably start this. I'm gonna have someone to bounce ideas off of, have someone who is is in the industry and has dealt with different graphic design, and you knew you knew some of the technical things, so you knew how to vector images and whatnot went forth. Yeah. Um, where does maybe the naming come from? Because I think that is something really precious to a lot of people as well. And so I know you started it and you, and you, you planned probably, and you had that support, but where does the kind of name come from? And maybe the first couple of years, how does, how does the brand kind of work out? Yeah. The name, like, again, I kind of ran that by, uh, by Sarah, you know, like my, my wife, uh, now, um, back then she, you know, I told her I was kind of stumbling on a few names. I, I can't even remember some of them, to be honest with you. But like, then she ended up passing one on to me, and then that she's seen on like she was big on Tumblr, mm. and she's seen this like Tumblr blog name was something similar. I can't remember what the spelling was, but it was like Rude Vogue or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I we basically just spelt it correctly, and you know, from there, you know, I took the, the term Rude as in like rudimentary, you know, like mm. meaning in the term Vogue meanings, you know, uh, style. So that's always been kind of the the look I've been drawn to. And especially when people look at a lot of the stuff, you know, I don't have crazy three, four color, you know, overlaying images, you know, it's a lot of simple stuff and uh, a lot of simple, you know, sort of mood board imagery to go with it. So it all kind of ties in. So yeah, the term Rude Vogue, I think just really, uh, or the name just, just worked well, especially with the direction I, I was planning on taking the brand definitely and i think it really um acquiesces nicely to what someone who likes fashion can easily identify right and what i mean by that is when you see the word vogue you immediately uh think about fashion you think about style you think about something that is aesthetically pleasing within a fashionable sense right because vogue is the magazine and there's a lot of different plays on vogue and and, and whatnot right Um, i think what's also really interesting is you know there have been a lot of, and I kind of hinted at this in the intro, there have been a lot of brands bubbling up from Canada. And if, if Rude Vogue started nine, ten years ago, I mean, yeah. there are so many other brands as well that kind of just remind me of Rude Vogue in a, in a way, maybe. I think about Jound a little bit. Um, yeah. I think about Dime. Mm-hmm. Um, and John, yeah. Justin's doing is pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, I wonder, have you ever had a chance to meet with any of these other kind of brand leaders as well? I know Saskatoon is not the closest to, to the, some of those things. It's, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Talk to me about that. If you have, if you haven't, I mean, it's no, <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't from Canada. Um, actually, what I, oh man, I think dime, I might've maybe reached out like way in my early days of starting. Uh, I think the one guy's name is. Uh, I can't remember. Anyways, I think I talked to someone in the early going because I was a big fan of what they were doing. I still am. Dime yeah. is, you know, Canada is, is definitely one of my favorites. Because uh, again, with me growing up and with a little bit of skate background too, that's what we, aside from basketball, just, you know, that was the one common ground that I think a lot of us had in elementary and in high school and stuff like that. We're just, right. we all skate. It's a time to hang out. Uh, but yeah, no, aside from that, I, I don't actually, okay, I, I got kind of a, there was a brand out of, uh, out of 
Canada way back when, well, not way back when, but it was United. It was a snowboard skate brand. And some mm-hmm. people might actually remember it. And I believe it was based out of Vancouver, but the, um, the owner, his brother is the owner of the, uh, uh, the sportswear company that my stepdad used to work for. Mm. So a lot of the United samples were actually done and made and kept here in the city. So when I'd go in with my stepdad, I was able to see all these samples that like no one's seen yet, like the stuff they didn't want. Yeah. Um, so again, like, yeah, United was like one of my big all-time brands. And that actually ties into what I'm doing now because I kind of like, even like with them getting sticker packs and stuff like that, they'd send out with the orders and like get those and with little notes. And I'd be like, oh man, this is amazing. Like these guys are like paying attention to me. Like that's kind of what I take in with what I do now. Like, and I give yeah. that same feeling when I slide the sticker packs in and write the note you know, I hope maybe the, you know, some kid is getting a, a package and feeling that same sort of, that kind of feeling that I used to get uh, when I was younger, you know, getting those, totally. those packages favorite brand you know totally and you're specifically talking about just making sure that customers are taken care of whenever they order something from root vogue right yeah it's huge man i the customer service i, I try to do as best as i can um like again I, i'm just like I'm, I'm me and then my wife helps me as well but i don't really have any other kind of employees you know I, we pretty much handle it all and you know whenever anyone's reaching out with regarding customer service and stuff like that it's me answering um directly um from my personal email <laughs> well, so like i just yeah no i love that matt sorry i don't mean to interrupt you in fact it's okay um no, no. It, it, finish your thought i'm so sorry i don't mean to interrupt no no that was it i was just kind of just going off I, the, the, something you mentioned just kind well of something that popped in my head is that you know i think that there's kind of an advantage to that right because i'm in a similar situation um matt i i've started my own brand as well we actually have a connection to canada we make a portion of our garments in um Toronto so uh which is really really special in my opinion so I've always had an affinity towards just some of the things that Canada has to offer especially for fashion but I think for customer service and I was listening to someone talk about this for their brand on a different podcast can't remember what but the ability to um have phenomenal customer service when it's just an individual even if obviously it can be overwhelming the ability to be really phenomenal at customer service because you are the person who has that interaction Mm -hmm. is so much more valuable i think in my opinion than like a giant brand like uh for example let's just look at new balance for example you know they have a customer call center and they may get back to you in three to five days and and sometimes when you respond it might take them another three days to respond again right where an individual like yourself individual like myself or someone who's listening right now you know i think it's an important lesson to understand that you have to really really be the very best you can in all situations and customer service is not sexy right but um, (laughs) it's not right and so but you have to take advantage of you know if someone's reaching out to you and maybe their order is messed up or maybe they got the wrong size or whatever you have an opportunity to really make that customer a, a, a long-time supporter potentially if you treat them with that extra emphasis of care that someone who works a nine to five job at a new balance call center or whatever it might be, isn't going to do because you're, you're, you know, your order number 1,142 while for Matt or smaller brands or Edward Joyner or whatever it is, you know, your order number, you know, 1000 or whatever it might be, you're, it's not, it's, 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 it's not comparable. So I think that's really interesting. I just wanted to, to point that out and hone in on that for a okay. second. 
Yeah, no, and that's you're you're totally right about that. And I think that's you know, I could, again, like you mentioned, you could go on about this. I could go on about this as well. You know, it's things you learn about. There's like a book that came out, uh, and I got passed on to somebody else. It was about what is it like? Something about something about a thousand fans, and basically he talked about like basically all you need is like to have those thousand loyal fans that you take care of. You know, every time they know that they hit you up, they order, they're taken care of. You'll never do them wrong. Um, you know, and if there is anything wrong, you they know made it right those thousand fans can basically net your your good eat for the year you know mm-hmm. what i mean totally you're, you're, fine. you're more more probably more than good depending on you know how often they bought buy and etc etc et yeah. yeah so like i think that gets isn't it's a thing you can really take advantage of as a small brand is you have that opportunity to build that uh connection and build that trust um and like again with with me and what i've been doing here with rude vogue you know a lot of people i've met through there they come on instagram mm. you know talk to them through dm and in this day and age you know they've become basically friends you know i've never met them and they're routine customers and you know we we, we talk like i've just bumped into them down the street you know what i mean so that's kind of cool yeah totally i love that man that's that's exactly what brand building is about in my opinion to be and one of the other guests we had uh asher said your your brand is only as strong as the subgroup it creates with the subcategory it creates and i really thought that was powerful at the time you know i kind of it kind of flew over my head to be honest when i when i had him on the podcast but the more i kind of analyzed that quote it's so true and i think also the thousand fan piece that you mentioned i've heard it before um on listening to i can't remember who i was listening to i'm very forgetful for day, today people <laughs> but essentially you're you're so right you're so right you know if you have a thousand true fans and, and a thousand true fans make an order purchase of forty dollars how much do you net you net forty thousand dollars right i mean or four thousand dollars. yeah you know what i'm saying so like you have that income coming in and you can scale that you know in however way that you want to scale that for the for the amount that you you know cost your goods at right essentially so um, exactly and then it just grows because right and then from there you scale it back into the brand you scale the brand from there you end up hiring say you somebody have somebody else as a support team but you tell them you know this is a culture we built in the early going with these thousand fans you know we're going to try and have that with when we double it or when we triple it we're going to have that same attention to detail, you know, we're not going to be sloppy, you know, we're going to be on it as quick as we can. And yeah, you, you, it's your way to scale up and still try to keep everything as, you know, uh, personal and uh, trustworthy as it was when you started. Totally. You're talking about culture right there. So true. So true. Yep. Let's talk a little bit more about Rude Vogue, man. Um, for those who, I, I want to really paint a really good picture of what Rude Vogue is for those who maybe don't know what it is. And hopefully if you're on your phone right now or if you aren't able to get your phone right now, you're just going to Instagram right now and just the Instagram is, I think, rude.vogue, correct? That's correct, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so check it out. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you think differentiates Rude Vogue from from other brands in the same genre. Um, I know a lot of people talk about how fashion is somewhat saturated, but I feel like each brand has something really unique to offer, especially if you believe in your kind of ethos, if you believe in what you do. So talk to me about that. Yeah, like we kind of just t- touched on it a little bit there with, you know, me being able to kind of stay small, but, you know, and try and scale. Um, you know, the thing with me is where the inspirations come from. I'm able to apply that and you know, uh, take a concept of a sneaker or something like that into a colorway or some sort of retro that I've seen. And, you know, I'm, I'm riding off of things that I'm interested in and, and that's, you know, that I'm not really lying about or fronting about, you know, I, I don't have a, 
a set of people where we're sitting at a, a desk finding out what the trend is for this month or this year and what what, what it is you know what i mean yeah. because like you know, for instance, the, the big trend could be golf or something like that, or I don't know, some sort of sport for, for like next year. Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't hop on that. Cause I'm just, I, I just, it's just not about, it's just not what I'm into. Right. So I think that's what I think differentiates me, um, and, and sides of the brand I'm at, um, and what I put out is I just try to just be authentic in what I'm about and what I'm into. And I'm not just trying to ride some, some, some waves and, you know, I'm not really, I'm just saying that you, you see some other brands that you know are probably not into some of these things and they're putting it out. Yeah. You question it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that's the big thing with me. I just try to be authentic. I, um, and, and put out what I'm into. Totally. So authenticity is a huge, a huge piece for Revoke. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, well, cause it's weird, right? It's hard to tell it. Cause you know, the big thing with me is trying to tell stories, um, you know, through the, that I post and things like that like again with the inspiration uh you know a time frame the era things like that right and then again if I put something out and I don't know that backstory or anything like that it's gonna be really hard for me to tell a story or try to like front like I know it yeah you know I'd rather not it's so much more when you know it's about and you know you can really put what you're into it gets fun then too because then you get excited about it like yeah they just I don't know when it's about you it's just it's easier and it's fun it's it's not it's not a job right totally totally i love that something that just popped in my head too matt is the um the the geography of where you're at in saskatoon i think it could be a or how do i want to phrase it i think that or do you think that excuse me do you think that there's an advantage at maybe being in a place traditionally not associated with fashion do you do you see that people are more inclined to maybe support what you do um, locally because of the fact that, you know, in Saskatoon, there might not be as many options for consumers to purchase, you know, similar styles of, of fashion. That's a really good question, actually. Um, yeah, I think it depends. Um, I think here, especially, um, we have a really big support local kind of scene, mm. um, which is great, you know, which is awesome. You know, a lot of people love to support, you know, brands that are, are from here. So that definitely helps. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say so. And the nice thing is too, like, um, you know, like, yeah, I like, so I'm, I'm just trying to think like, no, go ahead, I don't know. It, it depends because it also depends on their style. Right. So like, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, sorry if I didn't give you a better answer than that. No, that's fine. The local scene is huge, and with the yeah, like again, a big big chunk of the orders from here, you know, are uh, a lot of them are from uh, elsewhere in Canada, like out east, you know, Mm -hmm. Vancouver and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So it's not just here. Yeah, totally makes sense. It makes sense. I just wanted to ask you because for i just think about that sometimes obviously when you have a high concentration of brands sometimes it's harder to compete right because there's so much tugging going on and obviously the internet makes everyone your competition regardless right um but i I think that sometimes and i feel like recently especially here in the states at least and i I don't know if it's the same but a lot of people are wanting to support more local businesses and i think that's just an interesting component i don't know if you would experience that or not but i just wanted to kind of ask you and just see your temperament on it yeah like that's uh you know we're like one of the we're only in we're in the one store here which is big you know sneaker boutique um so they you know have a very very strong uh, pulse on culture and stuff like that especially you know with, with hoops and, and sneakers and, and streetwear 
So, um, and, you know, with us being in there, um, yeah, it's been able to kind of expand the brand and, and get more people into that. So it's, it's been growing. Like I said, we have a pretty strong scene out here, um, you know, coming from a place where not a lot of people have heard of and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the streetwear scene and stuff like that. And, and then on top of that, you, you put the cherry on top with, with it being local and people are into that. So, yeah. um, and they like to see, you know, like homegrown kind of talent, um, succeed and, and go somewhere. So yeah, so the support locally is, has been really cool. It's been great. No doubt, no doubt. Talk to me a little bit about what the rude board is. <laughs> yeah, man, the rude board is basically like, yeah, it's just basically like a mood board that I just put all the imagery. You know, I, I'm always scouring, you know, whatever it is, uh, internet, Pinterest, Tumblr, everything, and just you know throw them in a the folder and photos I like. Like I said, color inspirations, uh, some sort of fonts, uh, some sort of design, something mm-hmm. DIY that someone did that I thought was pretty cool. Um, old retro photos, like any of it, I just throw it in there. I throw it on the root board. Uh, it's there for people to enjoy, to take a look at, like even you browsing through there, you might see something and be like, Oh man, that's where you took that color from. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. It seemed weird at the start, but I get it now. So yeah, that's basically what the root board is to me. And I just kind of, it's a mood board, but I've, thought throwing the word root on there would work so yeah that's pretty cool i like that i think one of the things about mood boards and um i'll kind of just talk pretty candidly about this matt i think mood boards are some of the best kind of things to showcase on the internet if that makes sense i think it's really really fun and interesting to be able to have a collection of images and the images tell a story in a way right because because your root board is catered to the brand. Like it has a lot of basketball references, has hip hop references where if I look at some of the other kind of um, mood boards, there are some like one of my favorites in that, that gardens and seeds does. It's very plant. Yeah, they do. They do like, it's more plant-based. There are cars, there's architecture, right? So it fits their aesthetic. If you look at Jound, you look at what Saunders is doing, you know, it's um, there's cartoon elements, a part of it that are a part of it. Um, and it yeah. has some really just interesting imagery, right? And so I think that everyone, uh, everyone's mood boards are so different, right? And I know that you probably see some of these other ones, and you're like, you know, what you probably have respect for them, right? I mean, talk to me, like, yeah, how, they're how, great. Yeah, it's great, right? It's so much fun to have kind of all these different kind of spaces, essentially, for different types of people. Yeah, like especially like with with Jound and what, what he did and the, you know big Tumblr sort of mood board that he had and he's really what he's known for. He was like one of the first like guys to make this like big. I don't know to be kind of like known for being a, a mood boarder almost. He's like a pioneer, you know, countryman as well too, <laughs> right? In, uh, in Canada, but uh, yeah, it's super super cool. I think I remember taking a like he ended up taking all the photos and then having them each one done on one white one white tee. And he had like a pop-up shop and basically you could go in and like find the one photo you liked. And there was only like one of one of, of each t-shirt. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's so random and obscure, but it's just like pretty cool, especially for the fact that like, that's what he was kind of known for, for a while. And then to take that and like get creative and throw it on a t-shirt and have people coming in and wanting to wear this. I don't know. It's, it's cool. That. But yeah, the mood board stuff is actually mentioned gardens and seeds, you know, Amelie on Dory, they got their, uh, their kind of mood board that they do too um and yeah i think almost every one of them has their own kind of vibe that goes with the brand and that's kind of why i put up really is just um 
you, you know, people get the vibe and where a lot of these inspirations come from. I even had YouTube videos up there in a while, but it was like taking down my site speeds. I like, yeah, I yeah. took them off, but there was like a lot. I, and I might try and find a way with like to put them up with my IT guy to like slip, not, but I, I was putting up like old, like 90s, 2000s era hip hop and like, that's fire. You know, one, yeah. So I, I might get around to doing that. But yeah, the, I love, the rumor is fun. It's just a cool, like, throwing photos that you could find some inspiration matt talk to me a little bit about some of the noteworthy people who have worn the brand i know for anyone you know it's exciting to kind of have customers wear the brand but for you you were talking about this in the dm a little bit you've had um some pretty famous individuals sport rude vogue talk to me about who those people were and, and kind of what it felt like yeah i know it's, it's great man it's it's awesome watching you know people that you uh you know, watch play these sports and entertainers, you know, wear some stuff, you know, we've had, you know, the chance to Jalen Ramsey has been a big fan, you know, George Kittle, um, Jarvis Landry has actually been a, a good friend of ours just through the brand. Um, uh, and then he passed on some stuff uh, to Odell Beckham, but, you know, a few years back, you know, Fred Van Vliet, uh, big boy from Outcast or something while he was down here and he was like, uh oh with some friends and some people got some photos of him in it so that was pretty cool um you know uh, drake back in my early couple of days uh there was a collab tee that i had you know he ended up uh wearing it, it was a, a collaboration between party next door and um you know his camp uh with drake's sort of team there and they put it together for houston appreciation weekend and drake ended up wearing it on stage wow. uh, which was crazy, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, Todd Gurley, uh, Raekwon from the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, Holy cow. So, yeah, uh, Aaron Donald um, from, you know. Matt, 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 you talk about it in such a calm voice. These are huge individuals within <sighs> the realm of sports and media and entertainment. I mean, that is just incredible. How, how, did, how does something like that start? Does it just kind of... The, the moment you get someone initially it kind of snowballs a little bit like that yeah, is just incredible oh uh, thank you thank you i appreciate that yeah no you hit the nail on the head man i think that's basically what it was like you know it was basically you know if i wanted to give you the timeline here it was basically starting out um listening to a lot of party next door he's from ontario uh like reached out to him you know, we ended up getting an email from him in the middle of the night being like, you know, this stuff is dope. Yeah, I'm down, like send something out. So I did. And then, you know, got in touch with his his manager. And then that's where they wanted to have these Houston Appreciation uh, Weekend, you know, T-shirts kind of made uh, with mm. this kind of concept using like the H, you know, the H and the H-Town sort of thing. So, you know, we ended up uh, designed that. And then, uh, and then again, this is me. I'm coming from no graphic design experience either. I'm just going to throw yeah. that out there. Like I basically learned off the cuff. And as I went along, uh, learning just from overshadowing my stepdad a little bit. And then, you know, from there, I was still managing Popeye's, um, the, the supplement store. And then I remember, you know, my, my funds were running super low. I remember hearing from, you know, parties, uh, manager, you know, we got to get this, uh, we got to get this here by this time before we leave, which is like the next day. So I end up, um, express shipping it. I go to FedEx, like I still got to open the store. So I'm rushing around. I remember they told me they're like, Oh, it'll be like two something to get it there overnight. And I'm like, Oh man, like this is, this is, but I'm like, I got to do this. Cause I, I like, I, I didn't, I hadn't, there was ever no ever mention of Drake, anything like that at all. Right. This is just, right. like, I got to get it for them because what I was told it was supposed to be for their fans and they were going to throw it out in the crowd. And 
either way, I thought it was just a good opportunity. So I was like, I need to do this. So I basically like almost ran the account dry until my next payday in a few days um, and sent it out there. And yeah, it ended up getting to them in time. I I remember uh, Jay Ray hit me up and said, yeah, I got here like just before they left left on their flight uh, and they got it. Didn't hear anything for a couple of days. And then I got a text in the middle of the night being like Drake's on stage performing in your t-shirt. And uh, went to Instagram, typed in like probably hashtag Drake or something like that. I don't know. And then ended up, uh, yeah, seeing him performing on stage in the t-shirt that I was listening in the pl- performing the song. I think it was zero to 100. And I listened to that song like on repeat while I was designing. Man, that is special. Yeah, it was really cool, man. It was it took a while for it to really sink in. Even the, the day it happened, it was still kind of weird you know it's i still get those moments where it's just like i don't really think anything of it and maybe that's just how my brain works i'm like on to the next thing all the time right right i really tried to force myself to like appreciate that because it's like i don't know like this is like one of your favorite you know rappers one of your favorite artists like wearing this t-shirt like on stage like slapping the logo that you just spent your time uh creating with uh you know with the party's manager uh yeah. Ray. so that was great and i just want to throw it out there too in case jay ray's listening man i appreciate the the opportunity uh that was amazing um so yeah shout out to you guys that's so cool and i think that the fact that you have such a humble approach to it just goes to show how um you really have to be ready for these opportunities and willing to willing willing to oh my gosh willing to risk kind of that two hundred dollars that shipping rate that you had to do. I mean, imagine if you had said to yourself, "It's not worth it." Obviously, you knew the the qualifier of how big potentially this could be for Rude Vogue, but um, that's how I've always thought. Like even you know, at times I've told people about some of these some of these things that I've kind of gambled on and, you know, it's kind of the way I like view it almost. Right. It's like me putting my chips, you know, pushing them into the middle of the table and being like, I'm all in on this and you know, totally. it's cards and see what happens. So, you know, and people are just been like, you're crazy, man. Like, this is like, <laughs> like, what if this doesn't work out? But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an optimistic guy and you know, I, I, I shoot for the stars. So. Totally. Yeah. Talk to me, Matt. We're getting kind of to the conclusion of the podcast. I have a few questions I want to ask you. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you think have uh, been key to Rude Vogue's success over the years. And then maybe at the end of that question, talk to me about some of the mistakes that you've made as well. Yeah, keys keys have been, I think, consistency and just a lot of a lot of hard work um, and just, you know, Another thing I've been big on is just like testing and creativity and like just trying different things. You know, I think some people are quick to put something out or try one thing and it doesn't work and they get totally overshadowed or they're deer in headlights and they're like, this doesn't work. And that's not how it goes with, especially, well, it just doesn't go that way. And especially not with me, I, I, um, you know, I go right back to it and I I figure out this also comes back to my, like my basketball background too, man. Like this is the way I used to be with stuff like that, where I would just like analyze tape and uh, see how people, you know what I mean? Just like, I was always really analytical about totally. stuff and then and find we find a way and then i i've taken that approach with uh the brand you know i'll find a way um so yeah like that i think that's one thing uh that's been good you know especially with what i've been doing and what we've been doing is testing and paying attention uh big things customer service too you know um at the end of the day you know i'm selling a product um so again i have to you know be on top of it and make sure the customers are taken care of and you know that they're a top priority and 
you know, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to give them product and, and wear the brand. And, um, you know, I, I need to treat it that way each and every time. Totally. Totally. What about mistakes, man? Talk to me about some of the mistakes you've made along the way. Oh, mistakes, man. Jeez. Where do I start? Um, like, it's, uh, I don't know, like you're always, you're always so optimistic and go, go, go. Right. So you're quick to like spend the money here and that, but you know, you realize, you know, for you, for instance, you know, like we don't got, I don't got a crazy amount of, you know, unlimited cash for like some of these huge companies. Right. So, you know, uh, even something on like labels and tags and things like that, you know, you, you go, you go bulk to, you know, save some costs and, and trim some, trim some fat there. But then you end up getting them and like maybe after a week, you're not really into them or things like that. You know what I mean? Like things like that. So, yeah, you end up blowing some money, some places like that. So, um, you know, there and like I've mentioned earlier, you know, me putting my my chips all all in on some stuff or on some, you know, some players or some some names and things like that. And it just doesn't pan out. Um, So things like that are are, are their mistakes. But again, you know, um, you just learn from them and you just you just move on. Um, yeah, you just try to take a lesson from it is the way I've always approached it. Totally. Totally. I, I think that you have to be able to adapt to whatever situation you're in. So I think the example of buying in bulk or buying labels and then maybe not liking them, like, um, that is a monetary mistake, right? And I've made mistakes like that as well, where I've maybe pressed order on something or, you know, purchased or, you know, sent that money in for the invoice and I get back the product or whatever I pay for. And it's like, man, maybe I should have put a little bit more attention to detail into the long term of this product because, um, I'm thinking about it now. And I think early on, and I'm, I think I've made that mistake, especially in my first year of my brand a lot, because, you know, you think you have a naivete about yourself and that sometimes it's good. You have to be a little bit heady. You have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in what you do, but um, that's an early mistake I made it as well, where, uh, I should have maybe evaluated the entirety of maybe a drop, especially during COVID yeah, <laughs> and timelines sure. and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then made some adjustments to it. But I think the key, like you mentioned, is no matter what mistake you may make, and if you make it 10 times, yep. you have to learn from it. You have to attempt to learn from it, but you ultimately have to not give up on whatever you're trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah. So are you uh are you a fan of the wire the tv show i am not an avid you know watch of the wire okay. <laughs> from uh prop joe in there where he says uh a man le- a man learns best when he gets burned yeah and, totally uh, i think i posted that multiple times just because i just i've always looked back at that and it's true right like you know you do that and you know you learn from it you're like all right like that was stupid so um let's just try not to make that mistake again totally totally matt what is one thing that someone would have never known about you unless they had tuned in today into today into today's podcast can i talk today people can i talk Uh let me let me ask it again let me ask again because i i can't be messing up my question i'm the host i can't be messing up the question like this (laughs) (laughs) what is one thing someone would have never known about you unless they had tuned into today's podcast man um i don't know i uh we talked about a lot of basketball um that i don't know uh, something the one would have, i used to be really shy actually mm. yep i'm like actually a shy person by nature um, so more introverted 
Yeah, but I ended up, I think the reason why that changed is, um, I don't know, I think I, like, especially when I got into that job where I was at, like I said, where I managed the supplement store, you know, mm -hmm. like I had to talk with people and stuff like that. And that kind of, kind of learned to be a little more vocal, but um, yeah, but by like nature, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a shy guy. And do you think it's just a personality trait or do you think it's just kind of where you live, where you're from? Like, why, where do you think that comes from? It's not like it's a bad thing at all. There's shy people, there's outgoing people. Everyone, everyone wants to put an outgoing person on a pedestal. But, you know, for those who are also shy, like, where do you think it comes from for you? Uh, I think it probably just came from me just being super self-conscious and stuff like that as I was, when I was a kid. Like, I don't know, I was just really quiet and like things mm -hmm. like that. I don't know, I just... You know, we had had friends and stuff like that, and but I just, totally. I don't know, I just kind of, I was just the quiet guy. So yeah, yeah I don't know for sure. I was, but I kind for of sure, no. a little bit. You know, I'm a little more outgoing now, but I think that's also too why I'm like, uh, especially you know, I'm kind of putting myself out into the brand a little bit more now. But especially mm -hmm. starting out and and even still, I'm like still kind of the behind the scenes guy where I just prefer yeah. being the cut and I'm like no nah, let's let everybody else kind of like do the shooting and the photos and everything and I'll just chill back here it's, yeah. it's a little more my vibe very cool and I think honestly for someone who's pretty shy I mean you you handled this podcast extremely well and I want to say thank you for coming on to the show and kind of talking about Rude Vogue, talking about Saskatoon. Oh my God, I can't talk again. Saskatoon. <laughs> yeah, no, man. Thank you for having me on. I like really, I really appreciate this. Like I said, I've been watching your, uh, you know, back when you did, you had Karen on, uh, I seen you had the girl from Vans. We got a few yep. ones. You had Matt on. He's was, he was always great. You know, Matt, nothing but love for Matt. Um, mm -hmm. So and you've been doing a great job with this, and, and I was checking out your brand too. You got some really dope stuff. So thank you, sir. You're, you're hitting on all cylinders, it looks like. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Where can people find out more about you and find more out about Rude Vogue if they'd like to? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you know, my Instagram, uh, rudevogue.com, or rudevogue.com, uh, at, at rude.vogue. Uh, website's uh, rudevogue.com. Um, you know, all the all the drops. It's where you can check out the mood board, you know, all the other collections and stuff like that. So. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, cool, man. man. All right. Thank you so much again, Matt. Um I'll see you and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, sir. Again, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. I hope that this episode brought you some value today. If it did, and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star review and let's get into the after episode analysis, what I got out of it. And then maybe you can tell me what you got out of it in the review section or on our latest Instagram post. Let's get into the analysis. One of the things I wrote down for this episode was believe in your vision. And Matt hinted at this a few times. He talked about when he was in school, when he was in art class, a lot of times the students that were getting praised were the students who could do more classical or kind of ideal art where he was doing a more streetwear, more kind of uh, contemporary art style. He was able to believe in his vision and kind of create art and build it for his brand right and believe that he had something special another way he kind of believed in his vision and he alluded to this as well is that oftentimes he said that people will give up on something if it doesn't have success initially and i think this is really important for those who are trying to create whether it be clothing or music or whatever you're trying to create art whatever you're trying to create i think that and i struggle with this as well like early on if you don't get that initial 
reception from an audience or initial reception from a customer base that they enjoy the product that you're making sometimes you won't go back to it and it's actually a good idea it's just maybe you marketed it poorly maybe your photography was done poorly um, maybe other elements were done poorly but the design was still there the idea was there believe in your vision believe in the ability to actually see the idea to its fruition and continue to work on it continue to beat on it continue to try to hone in on it and you'll see what happens and hopefully it'll flourish and, and build itself into something really really great the next thing i wrote down was trust your work and that might be in the same vein as believe in your vision but trusting your work is when it's already completed you have a finished product and it, i'm pulling this from matt's story about having his garments having his product worn by drake and party next door and all these other athletes and etc celebrity personalities he mentioned that he had to pay 200 dollars in shipping just to get um, the package to get his product to drake and obviously it's an unbelievable opportunity for him but do you have that much faith in what you do do you trust your work even when you're down to your last few dollars are you trusting your work and I think that's the mark of a real artist, a real creative, is how much they believe in what they do, even if they're not getting that celebration from others, right? And I think it's a lesson for anybody in any discipline. Trust in what you do. Trust in the process. Continue to move forward. Continue to operate as though you have the utmost belief, correct? And I think that'll propel you to great heights. Let me know what you thought about this episode down in the Apple review section. Leave a five-star review there. If you're listening on Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever else you're listening, please feel free to comment on our most recent Instagram post where I have Matt's picture up and Rude Vogue's brand ethos up. I would love to hear your thoughts and your opinions on this episode. Any feedback is welcome. I'm trying to grow this podcast as strong as possible. I love to have your feedback, whether it be audio-based, whether it be value-based, whether it be the content. Please just let me know. I would love to hear it. All right. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the episode, like I said, three or four times now to this point. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a comment on our most recent Instagram posts telling us what you got out of this episode. All right. Wherever you are in the world, have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time.